Welcome to episode 367 of Troubadours and Rock on Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we have a great conversation with regular contributor, professor of Native American studies, musician, and performing artist, Frank Little Bear Deerfoot. Little Bear and I discuss how he's doing with his family holed up in York, Pennsylvania. We reflect on the government and their approach to this pandemic, the Northern Cree's way of taking a month off for self-reflection, being in a sweat lodge and purifying, about the economic upheaval of households, and how at contact the indigenous peoples of this continent thought of themselves as being very clean and experienced the European settlers as being pretty dirty. We also look ahead from this point on and what we might learn. A great conversation with Frank Little Bear Deerfoot this week. We have an EW essay titled Little Bear and Me. I share a Cherokee legend titled Earthmaking as told at a Cherokee council meeting in New York City, 1975. We have a poem called Marooned. And of course, all of this will be infused, imbued with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It's so nice to have you with us. Let's get to it. Episode 367 of Troubadours and Rock On Tours. You said we should look out further. I guess it wouldn't hurt us. We don't have to be around all these coffee shops. Now we got that percolator Never made a latte greater I'm saving $23 a week We drive to a house in Preston We see police arresting A man with his hand in a bag i 
Bear Deerfoot stands on the banks of the vast Lake Wallenpalpak. A northern Cree is he, and tries not to look back too often at the disheartening facts that infuse the history of his reality. For those hidden volumes pieced together craft a narrative both brilliant of living wisdom and despotic of foreign attackers. It is mostly overlooked, if not totally forgotten, by today's Americans. The substance of cultures thousands of years old has been simplified into a tale of savages liberated by the monotheistic, God-fearing European people in the short span of a couple of hundred years. A trail of lies, the trail of tears, smallpox, the coordinated plan to kill the buffalo, sacred burial sites sacrificed so that our capitalism and manifest destiny will have their appetites satisfied, treaties clearly broken by the interlopers as they realize the original agreements stand in the way of further natural resource-fueled movement to a Western world's view of progress. Though Little Bear can still share the oral history, music, dance, parables, art, depicting human struggles and romance with his family and the larger community for whatever it is worth. But can they fill the dearth on this planet Earth of spiritual understanding? From the Algonquin to the Cree, the Cheyenne, the Cherokee, the Apache, Pocahontas, Chief Seattle, the Lenape, 
Sitting Bull, Crazy Horse, Chief Joseph, to Climate Change, Earth Day, and Ecotourism During a Free Market Slump. I am clear on an important truth. This land has been home of the brave and free long before you and me. Despite the view of so many knuckle-headed chumps, what comes next for us, perhaps posthumously, I suppose we will have to patiently wait to see. In the meantime, come and join the snake dance with Little Bear and me. That's the way that the world goes round. Pretty nice fella, kinda confused, got muscles in his head, ain't never been used, thinks he owns half of this town. Starts drinking heavy, gets a big red nose, beats his old lady with a rubber hose, then he takes her out to dinner, buys her new clothes, that's the way that the world goes down. That's the way that the world goes round, you up one day, the next you down, it's a happening. Sitting in the bathtub, counting my toes when the radiator broke. Water all froze, I got stuck in the ice without my clothes, naked as the eyes of a clown. I was crying ice cubes, hoping I'd croak when the sun came through the window. The ice all broke, I stood up and laughed, thought it was a joke, that's the way.
Frank Little Bear, is that you? That is me. How are you doing, sir? Good. Thank you. Thank you once again for being on Troubadours and Rock On Tours, a regular contributor, professor of Native American <laughs> studies, musician, and performing artist. Frank Little Bear. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're we're friends for, for quite some time mm-hmm. now as well, and uh, mm-hmm. we haven't really spoken uh, on the radio show since the pandemic. Yeah. Yeah, I think actually the last time we spoke was in uh, this November of past year. Uh, uh, we did a we did a program. Yeah, together. that's correct. Right around uh, that period of time, we celebrate uh, Thanksgiving. Yep. Yeah, and um, you're holed up in York, Pennsylvania, right, with your family? Yeah, locked down like the rest of the the uh, communities and nation. How's it going? Um, for me, I don't, I don't know how other people are handling it. Um, for me, and, and, and I'm sure you can relate to this too, being an artist and, and, and a, and a well-traveled person, there are those moments when you do wish things would slow down and you could just sit at home and kind of just enjoy some quiet time, some, some life. And, uh, you know, for me, this has sort of been kind of a, kind of a nice change um, you know, not having to run a million different places. Now, don't get me wrong. I do miss that very much so. Um, you know, I, I was uh, very much affected by a lot of lectures and shows that I had lined up going into um, throughout March and even all the way up to June that now have been postponed or canceled. Um, so I definitely, I miss that and, and getting out there and doing things. But um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm enjoying this time. I'm actually enjoying you know, also looking at it on a positive note. So how about you? How are you doing with it? Well, yeah, I, uh, I too am enjoying the uh, slowdown. Uh, I, and I'm realizing, um, I was just talking to my wife about this earlier today, how misdirected and misguided I've been for so long. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, this slowdown makes you realize that you do overlook very important aspects of, of being a, a human person and being part of a family and a community. You get caught up in the so-called rat race and preoccupied with uh, materialism and um, this idea of quote-unquote success. So, yeah, it's been enlightening in that way for me. Uh, though getting out of your normal routine is a little disconcerting at first, Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you're used to that running from here to there and balancing out shows and programs and setting up contracts and dealing with having to take the kids where they have to be on time and uh, making sure that, you know, of course, grades in that regard are kept up with the schools and, you know, other commitments are met. And, you know, um, you know, when things like this happen, you know, like you said, everybody's trying to they have that awakening. You know, and that kind of reminds me of something Um, from a cultural standpoint. I know, you know, like our people, the North, our Cree people, uh, you know, we actually take a season out or a month out whenever we're preparing for ceremonies. And many nations throughout Turtle Island do this. uh, And a lot of indigenous tribes down throughout the globe, you know, they'll take a a portion of time to do self-reflection and self-inventory just to kind of make sure their head is on straight. You know, we do things with what's called a sweat lodge, um, where it's a time for us to pray and, you know, 
basically, you know, bleed out of our skin, if you will, of all those, you know, toxins that sort of build up in that day-to-day running. We sweat all those things out of us and purifying ourselves in a way and, and getting to a point where we can focus solely on what truly is important in our lives. What path are we traveling down? And is the path that we've been shown by Creator uh, the right path for us? Is there something that, you know, we, we've overlooked as a human being because we're flawed? And, you know, a lot of tribes do different things that when they're traditionalists or even those that aren't and uh, and are now kind of, you know, they're starting to wake up to, you know, maybe I, I don't have to run in so many directions. Maybe I, I don't have to, you know, tell my son or daughter or my mother and father, you know, hey, I can't make it today or I can't do this right now or whatever. Because you start really putting that in perspective, you know, you start really realizing that, like you said, you know, you, you, you find that, well, you know, there's so much static that I've been catering to thinking that that was my goals, um, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the, the thing is, once everything gets back to what we are more, you know, used to, we'll call it normal, I suppose. Uh, do we forget all of this, this, you know, sort of enlightenment uh, for those of us who who uh, do see it as such? I'm sure there are others that think this just sucks. <laughs> you know, I can't wait to oh, get yeah, the hell out yeah. Uh, yeah. B- back into the. Yeah, I'm, I'm tired of being called a non-essential. <laughs> right, right, yeah. right. I thought I was essential, darn it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but it's, it's. Um, you know, it's also an economic thing, you know. I, I, I mean, I'm right. sure you're concerned with your household to a certain extent. Uh, I'm concerned mm-hmm. with my household to, to a certain extent uh, because of the diminished uh, economic uh, opportunities and, and also just bigger than our own households. How is it going to affect our communities, the small businesses right. and, and even, you know, the, the, the social uh, services network and funding for, uh, you know, all the folks who are now in uh, huge numbers and, and need that we couldn't have anticipated happen so quickly. You know, there are a lot of big economic, you know, money-driven problems that come with this. How do we deal with those? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and yeah, and that's a good point. Is the community going to continue to band together? We're seeing that now, and that's sort of the guidance that everybody goes through when a traumatic experience or a big life-changing event affects everybody. But do we keep that momentum? You know, um, you know, I kind of relate that back to, you know, it, it's a kind of a popular term, I guess. Now it's, uh, it's called the nine 11 syndrome. You know, when New York went through their event, it was sort of the first time the nation, you know, actually put in perspective that these things are happening domestically. Things, things are happening here. And for a, a good couple of years, they, you know, they really wanted to make sure people were covered. People were protected. People were, uh, proud of being an American and proud of doing what they had to do and making sure that no matter where you come from, if you were here, you were taken care of. And then slowly that kind of faded. You know, people stopped being so nice and they put their guard down, I guess, a little bit more and, and others are putting more of a wall up, I guess. Um, but you're right. Is that, you know, uh, is, is that going to continue? I mean, we see the food banks right now. People are in line to get food because they weren't prepared for things like that. Um, is that need still going to be there? Um, 
or if the knee is still there, are those people still going to be taken care of? Um, you know, I know, you know, thinking outside of what I have to try to do to make up for the things that I know, you know, we, we've lost, you know, I know as an artist, as a musician, um, as a lecturer, uh, as whatever I have to do, I have to make something happen. Um, I have to stay the course and have to not, you know, misguide those priorities with the little things and think long-term and, you know, also know that people in the community are also in that shared group. You know, they're not just, uh, you know, we, you and me and, and others out there are not in this alone. Um, and I think that's one of the things of the self-isolation and self-lockdown that people kind of, you know, they, it's a good time to self-reflect. It's a good time to get to know who you are again. Um, but it's also a good time to really prioritize what is important and what type of human being do you want to be? Um, you know, when we go into ceremony, when we go into, uh, you know, our day-to-day lives, you know, you can go on Facebook and Instagram and whatever other, you know, media outlet out there, and you can look at all these misguided or politically empowered statements. Um, now, you know, how true they are, I have no clue. I don't do that much research on any of it. I just kind of look at what the facts actually tell me and go with that. But, you know, there is, there's definitely a big change that's going on. And I, you know, I keep drawing back to the fact that, you know, our people, you know, we've constantly have gone through these things, you know, um, you know, when the reservations are really getting more in, you know, enforced by, you know, Congress and people are being transported and walking to, you know, Indian territory of Oklahoma, um, you know, their whole world was now going to be confined to a border that they never knew before. Um, you know, it was no longer a land of the free for their people. It was, this is now your new territory. And then slowly but surely that started to kind of dwindle and how many people were lost out of that. And this is sort of the same thing. You know, you're in your home, people are being lost. Um, maybe, you know, people out there, you know, listening, you know, they've lost a loved one because of this, that they cannot, uh, you know, be in contact with, or they couldn't share that morning with them in their final hours. Um, you know, it's, 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 I guess, pre, you know, trying to prioritize, you know, what do we get out of this exactly? And what type of a human being am I going to be when it, when this is all over? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of interesting. One of the things that you said, uh, it's, it's sort of ironic, uh, self-isolation helps us understand that we're not alone. Right. Isolation, helping us understand what we're not, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Uh, talking to Frank Little Bear, Deerfoot here on Troubadours and Rock on Tours, a regular contributor. He is a professor of Native American studies, a lecturer, musician, performing artist, among other things. Talking with him as he is uh, holed up in his homestead in York, Pennsylvania. Um, so, you know, one of the things that comes to mind, I mean, given the history that, uh, I mean, we have a similar history in that we're we're citizens of these United States. You have a unique right. you have a unique history as compared to to me. Uh, I'm a European American uh, that uh, is connected to the indigenous uh, people, peoples of the First Nations of Turtle Island. And one of the things that we all know uh, that um, many of uh, your ancestors. Had to deal with was um, a planned sort of uh, 
plague, right? Uh, right. Smallpox, namely, trans, you know, transported through blankets being given out. Do you ever mm -hmm. do you ever think about that when you when you're dealing now with the, you know the the pandemic that we are facing at present? You know, it's kind of funny you mentioned that. I was talking to some friends of mine. We were emailing and texting back and forth that are in the medical community, and you know, just checking in on each other, seeing how you know people are doing, and um, you know, if there's anything I don't know we could possibly do to help wherever it's needed. Um, and you know, it's kind of funny because that came up in conversation. Is uh, you know, this is somebody made the comment. This is kind of a kind of a, a throwback to when you know when the Europeans first came here and they were trying to figure out you know, different provisions to give to indigenous people. Now, the gray area to that story about the smallpox blankets is, is how much did they know the blankets were diseased when they gave to the indigenous people? Um, our perspective is they knew that they had enough documentation to, to show that the disease has a, an incubation period where it'll stay on the non-living surface for a long time, um, even an undetermined time. Um, and they passed that out to, you know, another person. Um, and that's how it kind of spread. And, and for Native Americans, for those listeners out there that may be unaware of this, is, you know, we prided ourselves, despite what um, the misconceptions are out there, but we really prided our, ourselves on our cleanliness, um, purification, keeping our household clean. I mean, just to kind of put in perspective, I mean, any culture that you know, tans hides, dresses in animal skins, makes beads out of dirt and glass and clay and whatever and wears them as jewelry. The last thing that you want, um, you know, is to bring home something that's going to make people sick. So we really had to make sure things were cured, tanned, clean. Um, the herbs that were used to create soaps and things like that were really on point every time. There was, like, no room for error, right? Mm -hmm. So... When a lot of the Europeans came, we kind of saw these people getting off boats and, and living in communities where, you know, they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't bathe for days or weeks. Um, you know, there was um, documents that were written on, you know, and stories that were told um, from uh, even a lot of Algonquin people where they called the bad tea dance. And the bad tea dance was when uh, a lot of the Europeans would have their big balls. They had these big, you know, um, gatherings and sort of like a little festival They'd be drinking wine and, uh, you know, kind of dancing around. And our people, when we came up with the ceremony for it, the dance for it, it was sort of to make fun of that. It was sort of to make fun of how much they indulged in drinking, how much they indulged in, in just being, you know, almost dirty in a sense. And, you know, they their immunity built up to that, though, right? Right. So, they were, you know, they were able to, to just kind of live like that because you know, they grew accustomed to it. Their immune system warded off a lot of those things that they were constantly plagued to. So, um, you know, they didn't have it. Uh, you didn't have, you know, half the deficiency that we did, you know. So it was kind of like, you know, detrimental to us because we didn't know better. Uh, perhaps even they didn't know better. But when the blankets came and they were given them out, they thought, well, trying to do a good deed, but... You know, they just got these off of the dead who just died from smallpox and, and, and things like that. And 
you know, thinking that, well, maybe the blankets, you know, won't affect these people. And then they saw the, the, the fever, the yellow fever, all these things just started hitting these tribes so hard. And, you know, again, like you alluded to, part of it, I think, could have been calculated because, you know, there was prime land that they stuck tribes on in, in territories and on reservations that they felt, you know, hey, what's another way if, if, if we can't, you know, have a have an agreement to where we can come in and mine these things because we just found out we put them on a coal mine or we put them on an oil vein or we put them in, in, in an area with gold and stuff on it, whatever, you know, not realizing we thought we were putting these tribes in desolate, isolated areas, but we wound up putting them in really prime real estate. What's another way we could sort of, you know, help kill them off in a sense? Um, you know, and I think that was part of, part of the direction that, that I kind of went to, you know, um, you know, now, you know, we're looking at it today like, wow, for our people, and, and for me, I keep thinking, like you said, I keep thinking back that, you know, this isn't, you know, I'm not saying that, that what came out of Wuhan, China, can't, that came here was deliberate. But I will say that I think we don't do enough in this world, not just here, but in this world, to take into the account of the effects of some of our actions. Um you know, we get too complacent with certain things when we are not seeing the effects that we're seeing or, or that could happen. And, you know, that's, of course, where kind of the spread went. And then instead of telling people, hey, we've got a problem, um, you know, let's make sure everybody kind of knows going in and out of either an area, territory, or a country, because that's sort of what happened with the reservations. You know, people traveled from, they got their pass, they went from one reserve, they went over to another one. And they brought the disease with them. You know, they brought the blankets and stuff with them. Oh, I have this. I need to bring it here. I need to bring it there. I need to take it there. So all these things that happen in transit, it's sort of the same thing with how this is happening globally. And, you know, you, you don't realize it may be isolated in one area because they dealt with it. They got control of it. And now, you know, they almost are getting ahead of it. Now we're saying, you know, like here, how many people... You know, they don't realize how important it is just to, you know, cover your mouth, wear gloves if you have them, make sure you're washing their hands, you know, don't have a lot of interaction and communication um, physically with people if you can. Um, don't throw your gloves on the ground. You know, all these simple things that we should really, really be practicing that we still see like pictures all over the place of people doing this stuff and not thinking, you know, just because I'm not getting it doesn't mean I can't make somebody else sick. doesn't mean I can't make somebody else, you know, uh, devastate somebody else's family. You know, that's the same way the smallpox happened, um, like yellow fever and, and all those things. When they, they started to come to the reservations, and, and our people still don't have, you know, even to this day, we've never recovered from a lot of those things that have happened. What do you, you know, you still see the, the mentality, the PTSD, um, you know, the scars are still very vivid of that. And again, you know, people may want to turn that into a, well, you know, how bad was it? They try to play it off, you know, the facts are the facts. Mass graves were made just for those tribes that were dying by the thousands and thousands because they they, they couldn't fight it off. Wow. And, and it seems, uh, it again, it, it's a mix of um, the smallpox, at least, uh, just 
haphazard sort of dirtiness and and uh, then maybe seeing perhaps and, and this is something that is a perspective coming from uh, indigenous people today, maybe then the, the European Americans saw it as an opportunity to move some of the folks that were inconveniently placed, so, you know, in their way of getting rich or you know, accessing mineral rights. But then we bring it to today and we look at uh, the pandemic, COVID-19, and uh, again, maybe some selfish intention, not necessarily from the Chinese to, to wipe us out, but I we they don't want to admit that they were they had a problem, and and they try to because that's a sign of weakness. So you just keep it quiet, and by doing so, it ended up spreading more quickly than it might have otherwise throughout the globe. Is that what you're saying? Right. Well, absolutely, and that you know that's the thing. I mean, you know, like I said, there's no there, there's absolutely no finger pointing in any of this to any country, you know, um, you know, if you look at the evidence of what they were trying to do, you know, the coronavirus has been around for a very long time. Um, you know, they're coming up with a lot of, uh, you know, um, medications that are very resistant to these infections and viruses and bacteria. So you have a lot of these labs that are out there that are trying to figure out, well, all right, let me see what I can do to create a medication that can combat whatever this virus, whatever this illness is. Um, but there's also, in a regard, a lot of policing that goes with that. You don't want to let trade secrets out. You don't want to let things. I'm sure there's, there's you know, proprietary important. I'm sorry, I cannot speak to that. That's a tough <laughs> word. Proprietary. I got I know. it. I, I think I got it. Yeah, there you go. There's, there's a lot of very, very in-depth and important information you do not want to let leak out because you want to trademark this, of course. Um, economics, so we know how that economics again. You yeah, know. yeah, absolutely. You kind of know how the game is played. But at the same time, if something gets out of hand, gets out of control, or you know, somebody says, well, I'm not seeing the results, and it's been you know, 14 days or 30 days, and I guess this is just a failure. Um, and it, but then all of a sudden, boom, they give us a play you know, then it's kind of like that time to say, hey, sorry, you know, um, you know, we've got this issue, let's get it taken care of. Uh, let's, you know, let world leaders global know if, if it's going to be to that, to that magnitude of what's going on. Um, you know, I, I personally, and you know me, I, I don't play the political, the political game. Um, you know, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care who you're for or whatever. It's always been about, who's going to do the best job that they can um, and if they're going to do right by all the people within this country or, you know, be viewed at on a global level, you know, and, and it, those things are never easy. You know, certainly a job. I don't know if I'd ever, I'd ever want to be in that position to be, you know, a world leader in a sense. Cause you always have somebody to hate you, I'm sure. But at the same time, you know, people first, you know, the, you know, society and the world first. People we have first. to take care of each other. Yeah. Well, you know, we, that, we, just, we, we just have to. We live in a global world anymore. This isn't, you know, you know, you've seen this, um, even with the show, it's broadcasted internationally now. We're reaching out to people all over. Um, you know, people from all over can, can tune in to see who you are that we couldn't 20, 30, 40 years ago. Um, you know, people now are sitting in your living room. I have a good friend of mine who lives in um, uh, uh, Queensgate, um, Australia. Uh, 
and a really good friend of mine from down there. And when the wildfires were going on, he was talking to me. I was trying to see what you know if they you know they were doing okay with uh, with what was going on. But it's kind of crazy. It's like you know he's half a world away, him and his family, and we're talking like he's my next door neighbor. So that's the thing. It's, it's we have this capability and this power now, and that was one of the things that a lot of our tribes looked at it too. This world is much more bigger than just our nation, much more bigger than just me as an individual. My actions have consequences. It's like that old philosophy of the spider in the web. You know, you start pulling at one end of the, the web, pretty soon the whole thing will start to collapse um, because it's only as strong as all the connected pieces if they're working in unison together. So we really need to, and I hope this is this sort of happens with a lot of people nowadays, especially with this time of self-reflection, this time of, of thinking of what is important to us. Let this be our wake-up call to realize, hey, you know what? We really do need to take better care of what's going on around us. We really do need to get better informed on what's going on. We really do need to realize I can contribute and be a solution to a problem. Um, I I may be able to help in some capacity, or I may be able to just become more self-aware if there is a problem to be able to take care of myself and my family. Whatever the case is, you know, use the time for a positive and realize that everything has a consequence, good or bad. True, true, and and I, I love the spider and the web analogy. In in this whole this this scheme of things today that we're dealing with, who's the spider? Absolutely. You won't answer me. That is that is one of those isolated questions you need to ask yourself. Who is the spider in this whole thing? That's great. Well, leave it there. I think that's awesome. That's a good place to leave it. Uh, unless, uh, you, you know, it. does that work for you? That's perfect. Hey, I do want to say, um, I know uh, in the future, I have uh, some, some new music I'm working on with all this going on. I'd love to uh, play a piece of it on the phone. Or I'll, I'll shoot it over to you. We'll figure out the technique that- later. But uh, I'd like to get that out there. Like the your listeners to hear it first. That would be fantastic. You're talking about playing it live. Is that what you mean, or sending me a a, a copy of it to play? I'll, I'll send, yeah, I'll, we'll do both. We'll see if um I know if uh, if we can do it live. Uh, that would be awesome. Uh, but if we can, I'll make sure that you get it get ahead of time. But you know, I'll talk to you and your tech crew, and we'll figure something out. That'd be fantastic. A little live flute, and we can also play something recorded. We could do both. I'd love to hear a little live flute. I've heard you play before. You're amazing, and you make your own. Thank instruments you. yeah i do i yeah. do All right, yeah. that's something to yeah, look forward to absolutely absolutely well take care yeah. of yourself your beautiful family there in york pennsylvania frank little bear uh, a pleasure a pleasure having you on troubadours and rock on tours my brother we'll talk to you again soon yep thank you so much bye
And now, a Cherokee legend titled Earthmaking, as told at a Cherokee Treaty Council meeting in New York City, circa 1975. The Cherokee are one of the very few Indian tribes who conceive of the sun as female. This version is unusual for the Cherokee because it refers to sun as he. It goes like this. Earth is floating on the waters like a big island, hanging from four rawhide ropes fastened at the top of the sacred four directions. The ropes are tied to the ceiling of the sky, which is made of hard rock crystal. When the ropes break, this world will come tumbling down, and all living things will fall with it and die. Then everything will be as if the earth had never existed, for water will cover it. Maybe the white man will bring this about. Well, in the beginning also, water covered everything. Though living creatures existed, their home was up there, above the rainbow, and it was crowded. We are all jammed together, the animals said. We need more room. Wondering what was under the water, they sent water beetle to look around. Water beetle skimmed over the surface but couldn't find any solid footing, so he dived down to the bottom and brought up a little dab of soft mud. Magically, the mud spread out in the four directions and became this island we are living on, this earth. Someone powerful then fastened it to the sky ceiling with cords. In the beginning, the earth was flat, soft, and moist. All the animals were eager to live on it, and they kept sending down birds to see if the mud had dried and hardened enough to take their weight. But the birds all flew back and said that there was still no spot they could perch on. Then the animals sent Grandfather Buzzard down. He flew very close and saw that the earth was still soft, but when he glided low over what would become Cherokee country, he found that the mud was getting harder. By that time, Buzzard was tired and dragging. When he flapped his wings down, they made a valley where they touched the earth. When he swept them up, they made a mountain. The animals watching from above the rainbow said, If he keeps on, there will be only mountains. And they made him come back. That's why we have so many mountains in Cherokee land. At last, the earth was hard and dry enough, and the animals descended. They couldn't see very well because they had no sun or moon. And someone said, Let's grab Sun from up there behind the rainbow. Let's get him down, too. Pulling Sun down, they told him, Here's a road for you, and showed him the way to go from east to west. Now they had light, but it was much too hot, because Sun was too close to the earth. The crawfish had his back sticking out of a stream, and Sun burned it red. His meat was spoiled forever and the people still won't eat crawfish. Everyone asked the sorcerers, the shamans, to put sun higher. They pushed him up as high as a man, but it was still too hot. So they pushed him farther, but it wasn't far enough. They tried four times, and when they had sun up to the height of four men, he was just hot enough. Everyone was satisfied, so they left him there. 
Before making humans, someone powerful had created plants and animals and had told them to stay awake and watch for seven days and seven nights. This is just what young men do today when they fast and prepare for a ceremony. But most of the plants and animals couldn't manage it. Some fell asleep after one day, some after two days, some after three. Among the animals, only the owl and the mountain lion were still awake after seven days and nights. That's why they were given the gift of seeing in the dark so that they can hunt at night. Among the trees and other plants, only the cedar, pine, holly, and laurel were still awake on the eighth morning. Someone powerful said to them, Because you watched and kept awake as you had been told, you will not lose your hair in the winter. So these plants stay green all the time. After creating plants and animals, someone powerful made a man and his sister. The man poked her with a fish and told her to give birth. After seven days, she had a baby. After seven more days, she had another. And every seven days, another came. The humans increased so quickly that someone powerful, thinking there soon would be no more room on this earth, arranged things so that a woman could have only one child every year. And that's how it was. Now, there is still another world under the one we live on. You can reach it by going down a spring, a water hole. But you need underworld people to be your scouts and guide you. The world under our earth is exactly like ours, except that it's winter down there when it's summer up here. We can see that easily because spring water is warmer than the air in winter and cooler than the air in summer.
marooned. Chocolate-covered donuts left on our stoop by Patty and Kieran. They taste so sweet with a cup of coffee in the morning and with a glass of beer in the afternoon. Such good friends as might be wished for in these odd times of being marooned. Working all day for a mean little man With a clip on tie and a rub on tan He's got me running around the office like a dog around a track But when I get back home you're always there to rub my back Hey Julie, look what they're doing to me Trying to trip me up, trying to wear me down Julie, I swear it's so hard to bear it And I'd never make it through without you around No, I'd never make it through without you around Hours on the phone making pointless calls I got a desk full of paper that means nothing at all Sometimes I catch myself staring into space Counting down the hours till I get to see your face Hey Julie, look what they're doing to me Trying to trip me up, trying to wear me down Julie, I swear it's so hard to bear it And I'd never make it through without you around No, I'd never make it through without you around How did it come to be that you and I must be Far away from each other every day Why must I spend my time Filling up my mind With facts and figures that Never add up anyway They never add up anyway Stain tie. He's got me running around the office like a turtle on a wheel He can tell me what to do, but he can't tell me what to feel Hey Julie, look what they're doing to me Trying to trip me up, trying to wear me down Julie, I swear it's so hard to bear it And I'd never make it through without you around No, I'd never make it through without you around No, I'd never make it through without you around And there you have it, episode 367 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, our good friend, regular contributor, Frank Little Bear Deerfoot. I also would like to thank the Cherokee Nation for sharing their oral history. And these musical artists, Django Reinhardt, Stefan Grappelli, Courtney Barnett, John Prine, Martha Redbone, Vagabond, Fountains of Wayne, Brentford Marsalis, and of course, Terence Blanchard too. Until next time, let's give it a go and try to enjoy this time. A big hello to all of our listeners in the UK and in 
Palisades Park, California. Take care.